The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head. Not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So as I mentioned in my opening remarks, what we celebrate today really is the miracle of miracles. Jesus performed all kinds of miracles throughout his public life. We know that he restored the sight to the blind man. He cleansed the leper. He multiplied the loaves and the fish. He even raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And all of those signs were meant to help people believe that he really was the son of God. He didn't beat around the bush. He told people who he was. And and he said three times, well, maybe more than three times, but he predicted several times throughout his public ministry, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. And on the third day, I will rise. So it's one of, it's the only miracle that he predicted, in a sense, that he would perform for his followers to know. So that when it happened, they might come to believe even more that he is the Son of God, the Christ, the Savior of the world. I've been on this kick recently, so I'm going to share this paradigm with you. But as, as is the case for today, as I just said, he, he said he was going to do something, and then he did it. So he revealed something to, to his followers, to his disciples. And that's what Christianity is really all about. God revealing himself to his people. The Jews first, and now the Christians, the chosen people of God. God revealed himself over and over again. If you attended the service last night, which you probably didn't because you're here this morning, but I was there last night too, you've got all those readings that highlight some of the major points in salvation history. On Thursday night, we celebrated the Passover the Last Supper. 
And for the Jews, the Passover was something that they, they had to remember every year. It was the, the highlight, the climax of their calendar. And they remembered how God had intervened on their behalf to bring them up out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land, eventually. And so we're celebrating Easter every year because God has the same graces that he wants to give to us here today that he gave to Peter and John and Mary Magdalene some 2,000 years ago. He wants us to have an increase of faith. And he wants his life, his divine life, to grow in us, his resurrected life. He wants it to grow in us. I'll come back to that in a minute. So God reveals himself. And what is our response to that revelation? Who's heard me preach recently? What's the proper response to God's revelation? Starts with an F. Faith. Thank you. (laughs) Faith. That's our response to God's revelation. To believe. To make an act of faith. That's what God asks of us. And as we make an act of faith, what happens? The Holy Spirit goes to work. And he confirms it for us. And he helps us grow in faith. We, we just celebrated the, uh, the Annunciation not too long ago, March 25th. Where the Archangel Gabriel comes to Mary. And he reveals to her God's plan. And then what does Mary do? She makes an act of faith. She says, let it be done to me according to your word. And then what happened? The Holy Spirit went to work and she conceived Jesus in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the perfect model right there. So that's what we're all called to do as Christians. As Paul reminded us, well, sorry, it was actually in the first reading. Um, because Peter says here in that first sentence, you know what has happened all over Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. In his divinity, he didn't need to be baptized. But in his humanity, yes. So he was going there, In our place, you might say, he was the first one, the first Christian. I mean, he was the Christ, which means anointed. And as Christians, we are anointed ones in the anointed one. And Paul reminded us of that beautifully. He said, you have died, you've been baptized, you've been plunged into the waters of baptism with Christ, and your life is hidden With Christ in God. So we've been baptized into Christ. We've been made Christians in the Christ. So we've been anointed. We've been anointed with the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was anointed with. The third person of the Holy Trinity. So we've been given a new life. And that's why Paul is also reminding us, think of what is above not of what is on earth, for you have died, right? And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, your life appears, 
then you too will appear with him in glory. The good news is that this glory has already been shared with us. Because when Christ rose from the dead, was it the same body that he died with? I mean, yes and no, right? It, it was changed. It was transformed. It was glorified. So much so that in the, in the readings, in the, in the next days and weeks ahead, we'll read that some people didn't even recognize him. Because he was changed so much. And remember that he was able to walk through the locked door where the apostles were for fear of the Jews. So there was something different about his resurrected body. So there, there should be something different about our resurrected life as Christians. Christ is literally sharing his life with you and with me. And it's not that he just put the pieces back together. Because yes, we've all suffered the effects of sin. We see and experience our own brokenness. And we see brokenness and suffering all around us. And that's all because of sin. And that was never God's will. That gets me upset when people, well, I guess that's God's will that my dad died of cancer. No, it wasn't. You know, I mean, God never willed sickness and illness and disease God never wanted death to be a part of our story. But because of sin, it became a part of the story. But he wasn't going to let sin and the devil have the last word in the story. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. So Christ rose from the dead. There's our hope. That's the source of our living hope. But well, we got to believe it. We got to keep making acts of faith, and your faith will grow. I've been a priest for 18 years. I can tell you that my faith has grown a lot in the last two years. I've been going to this special school, the Encounter School of Ministry, and I've been encouraged to start praying for miracles, and I've seen them. I saw one yesterday. I was participating in a family mission in Pontiac with uh, St. Michael's and St. Vincent. And so I was visiting families that had signed up that wanted a visit from the family missionaries. So I go with this young couple, and this family had a, a teenage boy, and they wanted the priest to come and talk to the teenage boy. So anyway, I go and I talk to the teenage boy, and it actually went very well. He was very humble. He was open, and we had a nice little conversation. I blessed him. So we go back in the house. They've got like seven kids, from young adults to a little three-year-old, Damien. And so before we left, I just said, hey, is anybody here in pain? Is, does anybody here have any sickness, illness, or disease? Because I like to pray for healing. And the mom said, well, I got diabetes, and my feet are in pain all the time. I said, well, let's go for it. Let's pray right now. So I got down on my knees. I had mom sit down. Her name was Maria. I grabbed her feet and I just started praying in the name of Jesus. I command these feet to be healed in Jesus' name. Pain be gone in Jesus' name. And I said, Damien, the three-year-old, I said, come here. Put your hands on mommy's feet. And I just told him to repeat after me. So we prayed like that for, you know, just a couple minutes. I said, all right, get up. How's it feel? 
She was crying. Before I even told her to get up, she was crying. She felt the Holy Spirit just wash over her like a wave. She's crying. She gets up, pain gone. And she said sometimes it's like an eight or a nine on a scale of one to ten. Pain gone. And we prayed that her, you know, organs responsible for making insulin would all be healed. Her husband had gastritis. You don't know if that's healed right away, right? But we prayed for that too, to be healed. He felt that coming over him. Would I have done that two years ago? No, I wouldn't have. So I share that little story with you just to encourage you. We're not meant to be static as Christians. We're not meant to be like comfortable, like in a rut. And, and, and don't put yourself in a box either. I just was watching a little talk this morning on the Passover, and the Hebrew word for Egypt has this connotation of confinement and stronghold, but in a negative sense, like enslavement. And so God wants to bring you and me out of our Egypts. We all have our Egypts, you know what I'm saying? We all have those places where we are are stuck in fear, in shame, guilt, worry, control, you name it, right? And God wants to, to set you free. He wants to liberate you from those places where you have your obsessions and your compulsions and your fears, your worries. He wants to liberate you from those places and bring you into something new. He didn't just bring them out of slavery to wander in the desert. So he doesn't rise from the dead just so that we can, you know, gather here today and go have our Sunday brunch and wear our Sunday best and just kind of, you know, go on with our lives. No. I mean, that's all good. Don't get me wrong. Right? But he rose from the dead to, to give us more, to give us more than just a, a mere survival kind of existence. Yeah, we're going to suffer. Yeah, we're going to have pain in this life. But we can face it without fear, and we can face it with hope. We can face it with power, divine power, in fact. And so I ask you all today to make an act of faith with me. I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. And I hope that this act of faith will just continue to reverberate in your minds and hearts today and in the days and weeks to come during this Easter season especially so that you too can believe that Christ wants to raise you up and give you new life. He said it, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. All right, so repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I'm a child of God and that I've been anointed with power from on high so that I can have a new life in Christ, my risen Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus wants to be my friend and share his love with me.
each and every day. Amen.